1: Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Y whales? Wherever in the world you are today. Uh, so with it being January 11th, there's a lot of in- interesting things in the world going on. Uh, cryptocurrencies is pretty much not one of those. Uh, the FAA decided that no, no planes can fly domestically or, or internationally to this morning for some reason. Uh, but they they hit the reboot button and Windows uh, Millennial Edition has, has circled back up um, and planes are flying back up. Uh, There's a lot of things going on in the macro environment, I will say, but for the most part, when I really look at at the uh, Web3 asset class, cryptocurrencies and blockchain overall, uh, it's definitely a bear, but it's not a winter there's way too much innovation there's way too much you know interest in the space and i think that we've finally hit that critical mass on blockchain as a viable technology being really here to stay cryptocurrencies uh you know again there's the 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 word is out on on where these things are going to come down regulatory wise but but that's not really always you know kind of That's U.S.-based look. That's not always European and other things else. So essentially, the the culmination of this is no one really knows where this asset class is going. But from a technology standpoint and from a building standpoint, it is furiously uh, being innovated. And so my guest today is is, as Toby uh, again, super excited to have you, sir. Um, Really storied background and a lot of of entrepreneurial uh, just experiences i think is the easiest way to say it that you've had over the years but let's go ahead and let you kind of tell your story about how you got here today
2: Sure, Jay, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, really appreciate uh, all the work that you and the team do around Y Whale, just bringing interesting uh, news and projects and things to the forefront. So, one, thank you. Um, honored to be here today. Yeah. So, a little of my background. You know, I'm uh, I'm a builder. I love building products. I love building teams. Um, I have been kind of a CEO and entrepreneur for 20 years now. Um, prior to that, was a software engineer. Right, so I have a fairly technical background. Um, you know, way back in the day, was Accenture. I uh, ended up joining a startup down in Houston, um, both owned product and engineering, came back to Kansas City in 2003. Um, and this is actually my third startup from scratch. Um, so really have a glutton for punishment. I love the, the really early stage super concept. And if there were a thread across the companies, I mean, it really is how do you use existing behaviors and technology platforms to to unlock new, new use cases? So my first company that I did, uh, we put technology on forklifts, right? And what we realized is humans are really, really good at driving unconstrained, dynamic environments. They can see everything, react really fast, but they're terrible about data collection, right? So asking a user to scan the pallet, scan the location, scan the pallet, scan the, uh, the, the the door that you're going out of right? They're actually really, really bad at. So being able to say, hey, let's use technology to do all the data collection um, and let the driver just drive. Right? And so that kind of capability um, allowed us to do some really cool route optimization, inventory tracking, um, kind of this ability to, um, again, let users do the things that they're good at, let technology do the things they're good at. Sold that to a private equity, did a roll-ups, got some great m experience, kind of rolled out of that, ended up coming across a professor that was at a university looking at uh, using a biometrics, and they're looking at the blood vessels and the whites of your eyes as a biometric. We're like, that's kind of creepy, but kind of cool. And they thought, yeah, this immigration at airports and military, and I'm like, ah, uh, those are terrible ideas. Like those are so hard to do a startup. Like, why don't we do passwords on smartphones? But that feels yeah. like a really powerful use case. And as we were uh, kind of looking at different ideas, and you're know, like, hey, if we could just look at my phone, and that user experience of simply an unlocked application, unlock the phone, like that would be powerful. And I'm like, yeah, but like no one's doing biometrics on smartphones. I got the number one question and challenge I got from so many people were like, hey, if this is such a good idea, how come Apple and Google aren't doing it? Like, why aren't they? doing?" It? like, I don't know, but they should. So we started uh, iVerify, it was the name of the company, in Q1 of 2012. Um, Apple came out with Touch ID in 2013, came with Apple Pay in 2014, um, and just kind of the right place, right time. So we ended up having Wells Fargo and Citigroup and RSA. Uh, we had 60 banks using i-based authentication biometrics um, to open bank apps. On device, wow. right? Super cool, super powerful. At the time when that was crazy cutting edge, right? And just this kind of both of those companies were like, "Hey, this is just the convenience of letting drivers just drive, letting users just look at your phone and have that open." Um, you know, we were able to sell I Verify to Alibaba um, or Ant Group, it's kind of the financial services group of Alibaba, um, back in 2016, and I ran biometrics and identity for them globally, right? So, got just a fascinating, uh, you know, catbird seat to. Um, what is, you know, what does e-commerce look like at scale? What does identity look like at scale? Um, you know, Alibaba has built just a fascinating kind of ecosystem of logistics and commerce and financial services and cloud and entertainment. And, um, so we get to kind of, I uh, how you know, like this little speedboat and try Armada is Armada just, you know, charging through kind of a lot of Southeast Asia. Um, but again, experience things both at scale, um, how to think about technology as platforms, um, but then again, everything they did is, you know, we were serving predominantly people who hadn't ever used technology before. They hadn't really shopped online. They never had wallets. They never had, um, you know, really, uh, you know, anything like username and passwords weren't a thing. So when you're going into India, Indonesia, and Southeast Asia, uh, again, the convenience thing really just hammered really, really deep into me. Um, while I was there, they asked me uh, to join their investments team, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. like, my number one focus is blockchain, Right, so I get in you know 2018 and 19. Um, I got to go around with Jack Ma's calling card and talked to a lot of really interesting blockchain companies and technologies and where it was at. And I remember thinking at the time, this is a fascinating technology, but I'm struggling seeing the business in this. Like, okay, crypto is interesting uh, at the time. Man, it was mainly it's mainly just ledgers. Um, yep. Like, okay, hey, ledgers are okay, we've got pretty good databases. Like, where where is the big unlock? It really wasn't until, uh, like, 2000, uh, literally last year, so 20 and 21, when, uh, my opinion, when um, NFTs and smart contracts really started to come out. And we're mm-hmm. like, huh, that's fascinating. I can prove ownership of something purely digital, right, and be able to have, uh, again, kind of this, this uh, distributed trust. Um, And kind of the building in an an open environment, right? So I've always thought open source has been interesting. Open source has always struggled because never had a business. Like, what's the business model behind open source? Well, to a large degree, Web3 and blockchain gives a business model to open source technologies. Tokenomics is working. And so as I began to really dive in and look at a bunch of different ideas and use cases around, um, okay, where do do NFTs really impact people's lives? Where does everyday people have everyday experiences that get better? because of web3 right it's so my background i'm not a trader so building an exchange really wasn't a big thing um you know most of my applications have been it has been kind of b2b but not core infrastructure layer. so going and building a, a core layer one just wasn't all that interesting nor my skill set um but i looked at a bunch of different ideas and applications and really ended up kind of uh, through that again getting pretty deep into again smart contracts nfts wallets um, and kind of that consumer experience which eventually what led to redeem
1: there you go so so real quick let's take a, a half step back because to me you' you're, some of the experiences you talk about is absolutely using existing technologies mm-hmm. but in a way that nobody has quite seen yet and you, it seems like you kind of are going after that human nature you know these mm-hmm. aren't you know smart contracts talking to other smart contracts talking to AI bots that's just a, a total circle in a dark you know dark warehouse I mean you're actually trying to solve human related problems. With technology that has industrial or institutional, uh, you know, level solutions, and so I, I love the thought about you know. Again, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I've been in, in cryptocurrencies and blockchain for a long time, and it really wasn't that interesting. You know, even when Ethereum first came out, I'm like, okay, like. Cool. I, I'm right. sure it's going to get used, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be be into this thing. But we need more depth. We need you know more layers on top of this. Mm-hmm. And while I still believe we have a long way to go, um, there's a crap ton of use cases that are that are viable today and able to be implemented safely, securely, and 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 cost effectively. Mm-hmm.
2: No, to- totally agree.
1: Yeah. So, so let's hear, let's hear the redeem. I'm dying dying to hear.
2: Sure. So the, the, the concept of redeem, I think it's a couple of the, you know, we think about my first company and the second company that kind of using this existing infrastructure. And as I was, and I come out of the identity space, right? So a lot of Mm -hmm. background and biometrics and identity. And um, I think one of the ahas that we had was like, we actually already have a phenomenal global, unique numbering system. It's called our phone numbers, Mm -hmm. right? Every one of our phone numbers, truly global, unique, you know, yours off the top of your head you know every one of your friends' phone numbers if they know yours. You already have an app on your phone used to communicate and carriers have spent billions of dollars securing the network such that there is exactly one device in the world with my phone number on it that can connect to their network, right? So they've done, it's called SIM verification, right? So um, when my device tries to connect to the network, the carrier says, great, who are you? Um, are you allowed on my network? What is your plan? Um, all that's done. Well, carriers have now opened that up as an API, as another layer of authentication. And so like, so, we've got already got a global unique identification system. Um, it's already in use, extremely familiar. Like the vast majority of communication I do is via text messaging or WhatsApp, right? And that's actually global. That's not, that's not a US thing, that really is a global thing. It's so like, what if we took that phone number and transformed it into a Web3 wallet, hmm. right? So, if my phone number is now my wallet, and it's simply by possession of my phone, that effectively is my password, because there's only one device in the world that can claim to have this phone number right now. And so if I want to um, access my wallet, open my wallet, engage with something in a purely digital context, I'm like that is a fascinating underpinning. And so kind of the, the one uh, kind of, we call the broad layer of what we've done at Redeem, again, is transform this phone number into a Web3 wallet. Um, and kind of what goes into that wallet can really be a, a wide host of things, right? So the two use cases we're initially focusing on is um, rewards and loyalty, right? So how do we help brands better connect with consumers? Um, because it's a, it's one-to-one correlation. You can be dynamic, you can be personalized. Um, so instead of old school promo codes and coupons, we kind of call them dots. Um, these dots can, um, be dynamic. They can be personalized. Um, they can be date bound. They can be dynamic in price. They can be dynamic time. They can be geofenced, all these really cool business logic tied around old school coupons. But then when I go to my Shopify website, the e-commerce website, <clears throat> I just put my phone number instead of the promo code as I'm checking out. Or if I'm going to, um, I'm at a point of sale, give them my phone number, which I'm already comfortable doing, right? Take the same concept and i take it to ticketing, right? So ticketing is NFT. It's been a great use case. It's always one that I've really loved. Yeah. It's, it's unique, it's specific, but the usability of it's still really hard. So why not just have your phone number be this Web3 wallet? right? So when I show up at the gate, um, I can scan the QR code at the gate. And guess what? When I scan that QR code, it hits my phone. Well, guess what? My phone has a phone number. My phone number is connected to a wallet, which has the ticket. I simply to respond with a red or green. And do I yep. get access or not? Right? So the simplicity from a consumer standpoint of if I have my phone, I have my Web3 wallet, and any action I take on my phone um, effectively is an action taking in the Web3 world. But to the event coordinator, to the brand, you get the trust and the creativity and the providence of all this really cool complex kind of blockchain and smart contracts and kind of a, you know, distributed all these really cool things, but to consumer, it's just my phone number, right? So can it take even the, the event um, example that we're going to really love the ticketing use case, uh, not only to get me into the building, maybe it's VIP access. I get a, an area of access that I want to be able to, to get into because I have a ticket once again, simply scan the QR code and my phone will tell the the attendant or simply respond back with the QR code, which we can scan and then open access. But now post event, you know, the, the other cool thing is kind of the, it's it's obvious once you say it. Um, but as you see, it's like this unique identifier is also a method of communication for the brand. Right. So now, um, I want to drop you because you went to the Taylor Swift concert. Um, you're one of the lucky few (laughs) that got to the Taylor Swift concert. Um, that a brand wants to say, hey, um, know that you love that. Hey, we're having a, an after party um, and you can invite, you, you can come because you have a ticket and you can invite two more people. Right? great. Well, I'm going to now text two people. I say, hey, great, share this. What I'm doing is actually sending them an NFT. That's a one-time use NFT. They click on that link. They get onboarded into the redeem platform. And all they have to do is show their phone number or kind of stick on a QR code as they're showing up. Or a brand can drop you, hey, Jay, appreciate Glad you're Taylor Swift. Um, you know, here's twenty dollars off our website the next time you come. All you have to do is enter you know, your phone number. So when you're on the you're on the Shopify website, um, you know, for brand.com's website, you just type your phone number, like, oh well, here's Jay's number, here's his wallet, here's all the rewards. And then behind the scenes, we have a widget that you can create uh, via the coupon API of Shopify, a one time use uh, coupon for the user and it looks like I applied a promo code. That's the yep. experience again that I know that I understand, and so again, kind of this linkage of this phone number just has me absolutely fascinated.
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love, um, love, love, love this concept. So, so let's let's break this down into a couple different parts to talk about. So, let's start with the, just the overall wider view, which is <clears throat> the centralization, meaning that I I get to centralize you know access to all these different platforms and things. So. That's the the I think to me the biggest benefit of Web three mm-hmm. is is I refer to it as the modular internet, um, yep. and and saying I can actually own my identity. So mm-hmm. instead of my Southwest points having to live in a Southwest account and my McDonald's you know uh, mic or whatever the hell they call them live you know living in the McDonald's <laughs> app and where right. else, bring them to me so I know that they exist. You know and and you know again with with smart contracts and and, and smart kind of cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. you can still make the choice um, to decide do you want to allow. Uh, These to be traded, like I can send them to someone else, or they locked just me and my wallet. So for people that are already going, like, well, you know, if they get traded, then that creates legal problems. That that's easily done and solved. So just that core concept of the fact that I have one place to look and see all the different loyalty rewards or receipts or everything else is absolutely coming, and and that's why this is such an intriguing product. So we'll, we'll kind of. Jump back over to you on that side of things. Yeah,
2: no, absolutely. So it's it's things like I think the the low hanging fruit are things like rewards, loyalty, and tickets. But it's certificates, it's credentials, it's um, any kind of digital collectible. It's anything that might be sold bound might not be right. So I do think there's a lot of things that brands want to give us, like a VIP pass. Like right? no, that's me. Like I'm a VIP uh, because I'm a VIP customer. You may not be. I can't give you my VIP status right? Yeah. But this ability that brands can now trust, there's an infrastructure that I can give you something that's purely digital, you an NFT token that's now sits in your phone number wallet that you basically, I can be confident that only you can use access or redeem in kind of whatever fashion that may be, whether that be digitally or in person, right? But again, to a consumer, it's like, oh, it's just my phone number, yeah. right? So one of the things globally that has been uh, really encouraging and, and somewhat of an aha, because as you say, it, it seems obvious. Um, so globally, everywhere that we've talked to, and we've talked to folks in Africa and Sri Lanka and Southeast Asia and in India and in South America, um, Europe of across LATAM, like people get phone numbers pretty early. And once they get them, they don't change.
1: No.
2: Right. They actually right. keep them for a very, very long time. Right. Since, and since, since
1: the mid nineties here.
2: It is like the only yeah. reason we found people legitimately change numbers is when they move countries. Right. And we have a way to help kind of port them in that scenario. But for the most part, this is a great way for me to be able to, um, again, keep track of all of the things that brands. And you also mentioned something earlier on that I think is uh, it's, it's kind of one of those uh, un- unobvious um, things that are, that is very, I think it's a huge unlock. When building with Web3, you're building in the open. You're building outside the walls, yep. right? So if you could do everything inside the silo, You're right. You should just do it inside the style. You don't need Web3 if you're simply going to build inside your own ecosystem. But when you can start letting users own their own data, let users have some of this stuff, other brands, other companies can can build on top of that composability. I love this word composability, the modularity of what Web3 brings, because, um, you know, I I can do things and people are building new experiences in the metaverse or in Web3, the other things that I have no idea who they are. But because I'm building Web three and I'm using a Web three wallet, and I can hold generic NFTs, I can unlock all sorts of amazing, kind of surprising, delight use cases because I'm building out in the open.
1: And, and the thing that you know again is so intriguing about this concept of of, of loyalty points, reward points, or, or just you know kind of proof of of attendance, anything you're doing, um, being an NFTs, it, it truly needs to be an NFT um Mm -hmm. and 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 have something on chain where you have it's it's validated validated back to the source the the true issuer you know if if this is a mic point um is it a real mic point is it not like did Mm -hmm. i really get these so that that concept that as people go through and they say this is my identity this is what defines me the reason why a board ape goes for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars is because it is validated and and verifiable that this provides access to this community, these parties, mm-hmm. and these things. You can copy the JPEG all day long, and you can but, make a new contract and you can put it on there. But it's going to be gated that the second you say, "Hey, everyone that's that's getting a free ten thousand dollar piece of uh, you know land in their new in the new metaverse," it's mm-hmm. going to say, "That's hey, great that it looks identical to this, but it's not validated and verifiable on chain." And that's yeah. the big difference for what you're trying to solve here.
2: Yeah, to and to do that, and then to do that kind of in public, right? So I can hold a uh, a token, a McPoint, or an other deed, or a board ape, or whatever that is, and because you've got perfect attribution, right? Perfect digital attribution, both to who issued it. Okay, great. That's the yes, that is the you know the the corporation is expecting to issue that, and I know this person owns it, and no one else get the, the ability to trust um, other parties and engage with consumers and other brands, I think is we're scratching the surface of the creativity that we're going to unleash um, kind of over the next five to 10 years.
1: Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the, you know, people say, Oh, these need to be, you know, may not understand this. I'll give you a quick use case uh, for why this is so important. So, um, my, my kids are into, to call of duty right now. And, um, you know, you, you can't buy these like 2x points where like you play the game, but you're earning double the points. They give you some when you first start and then it kind of goes from there. But I noticed that, that somehow in their accounts, uh, I, I try to play with them. I'm very bad. It's absolutely horrible, <laughs> but they keep getting more of these. And I'm like, because they're leveling up faster than me, they already, they already play more. And I said, "Where do you guys get these?" And they go, "Oh, and they're buying them online." And people literally mm. will take a picture of the Mountain Dew thing that they pulled off the can, and they're right. they're just Venmoing, you know, one or two bucks for a picture of this, and then they just enter it into their to their account online. It's a terrible experience right. for everyone involved, and most importantly for Mountain Dew. That's the yeah. one that's putting out the money and dollars in this with along with uh, Microsoft for, for the goal. They're missing all of the, 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 just the possibility of understanding what's happening with these and the right. marketing side of like, there's people that want to use these that are never going to drink Mountain Dew ever in their lives. Mm. Um, and so it's great that you have an exclusive, but you've actually now created a conduit of, of selling these. So right. do they want to lock them down so that it cannot be passed or do they want to allow it to happen? But right. the monetization has to happen in a clear and, and defined way, making sure that you're not getting a bad code or anything else and causing mm-hmm. more confusion. So I, there is a lot of use cases for this. Um, but I think the most important thing is is that it's a blue sky at this point on how to define is- that and what are the metrics around it.
2: Yeah. These you know, NFT, you know, utility-based NFTs. Like, again, I I spend a lot of time thinking about that. I think they are fascinating. You know, three of the pillars we talk a lot about internally at Redeemed is convenience, creativity, and control right? So convenience for the consumer just got to be drop dead simple. It has to be at my fingertips, no cognitive load, easily to access, easy to use. So the convenience has to be number one. And then the creativity, like how do you make these dynamic and personalized and interesting and fun and all those things, but on the backside also giving the brands control, right? Don't allow them, you know, and if you're in the promo code world, like, you know, honey or retail me not a coupon shark, like brands don't, give you a really good discount because you're VIP and expect it to end up on Honey or a Coupon Shark, right? That's yeah. Like the Mountain Dew example you just gave. Like that wasn't the intended consequence, but you've got no control, Yeah. right? And so if you can give them the ability to be super creative, dynamic and personalized while maintaining control with attribution, again, I think people are just beginning to figure out uh, hey, these NFTs and this idea of digital ownership and um, kind of the composability of what Web3 brings to the market. Um, yeah, I think with the very beginning of uh, what's going to be really fun, I think is getting away from, and I, my, my, my my eyes glaze over when people want to get into tokenomics and how I can do staking and yielding and, and do all these things. And I'm like, whoa yeah, it's all true. Like it's not wrong, but you got to yeah. recognize that is less than 1% of the world that really cares about that. Right. We, we don't have like today. I, I could trade penny stocks today. I don't because it's hard. Right. I could do, I could engage in complex lending schemes, but I don't think people, vast majority of people don't want to. They want make it easy, make it more engaging, make it personalized, make me feel special, make me feel like you have an engaged wit, with me um, all day
1: long. It, and I think that you know, for a lot of people that are on the, that listening to this program right now, and there's going to be some that are that are degens that absolutely understand every single thing we're saying, and there's right. going to be others that are curious about this from from a, a business perspective. You you kind of need to spend some time, you know, really understanding trading NFTs. Um, don't don't you know, and I, I'll say this is kind of a general thing. Don't don't worry about buying the expensive ones. I mean, but you can mm-hmm. go out with a hundred dollars total, and you can acquire hundreds literally hundreds of NFTs. Um, And what you'll find through that process of buying, you know, uh, depending if you go on Solana and and, and the transaction is a fraction of a cent, there's a lot of people that give away free. They just want want Mm -hmm. the communities to have them. They want to do these things. But what you find starts to happen is that when you have this this dashboard of all these things that you've collected is that you will start being interacted with in a variety of ways. People will airdrop. I get constantly airdropped (laughs) random other projects that are related to other projects that I own. I will have offers to purchase things that I own that I don't really care about anymore because they want them because they want access to that community mm-hmm. or that thing that this is token gated for. And so when you have that kind of free market environment, and when you go back to that initial business, let's go back to um, you know Mountain Dew mm-hmm. and, and Call of Duty, which is you know, kind of a clearly defined thing we've talked about here at this point. Both of them want client engagement. Both mm-hmm. of them want monetizable actions as a, from a marketing standpoint. Having the ability to understand who is who is the direct purchaser and who's the end user. And if they're the same or if they're different is a massive win for any marketing or industry to kind of understand and know. So I, I'd love to kind of, I, I know that you have in the background, the marketing side of this, but I'd love yep. to hear a little bit more expansion around like some of the use cases um, for the businesses, why this is so much better.
2: <coughs> yeah, I think the brands, apps, or I say brands, broadly companies are absolutely, how do we develop? A, a different and more one-to-one type of engagement kind of first-party relationship so i don't want to only relate to you via advertisements through google or through facebook or through apple um, and so as they are looking to do that what we're finding a lot is like hey i don't want to just give away money i don't want to just give away margin how do i create immunity make it interesting to engage with the brand with an ecosystem with each other um, and create kind of these senses of community and you know nfts are a perfect way for both token gating Right, but then also unlocking other perks, other other ways to engage. And so, as we've worked with, um, you know, brands, you know, they're they're trying to think about how do we make this um, again more interesting, more engaging, um, not just hey, here's an extra five bucks off. You know, not you know, I'm not a fan at all of the hey, your tenth cup of coffee is free. Like, so we're working with a bunch of coffee, um, so really some some big coffee brands that are national, um, and they're trying to like giving you tenth cup of coffee away for free is just giving away 10% margin. Right, so here, here's a, a couple of really interesting, very specific use cases that they're trying to tackle. Um, you know, they say you know if they've got 10 to 15 percent of their um, uh, revenue is already on e-commerce. Like, well, that's higher than I would have thought. Um, yeah. they've really struggled tracking who bought online and who bought in the cafe. And if we could incentivize to use basically kind of their phone number as they're checking out online or in the cafe, they're going to have a much better perspective of who those users are across both of those. Right, so okay, that's some cool things that you could do, and it's it's other kind of unlocks. It's not just dollars off. It's early access to roasts and other special perks they've got. But then it's like, well, do you know if those people buy a bag of coffee at your local grocery store? Like, no, no visibility. Like, what if we through Amazon? Like, no, no visibility. It's like, what if you could like let them have like a peel up QR code, and they bought a cup of they bought a bag of coffee at the local grocery store, and you scan this QR code, and you get a free cup of coffee when you go into the cafe, right? And they're like, whoa that would be really powerful. Like, they just scan a QR code on the bag and really what we're doing is we're putting an NFT in yep. their wallet associated with their phone number. And now when they go into the cafe and give their phone number, like nobody ever just buy, orders a small cup of coffee. Like they always upgrade, they bring friends. And so they love that concept that it also is Amazon, right? So it's now we're talking to other brands beyond coffee of like, Hey, do you want to really understand your customer journey out of band or omni-channel experience whether they're in your store, whether they're buying through retail, whether they're buying through Amazon, they're buying on e-commerce. If you can use kind of this phone number as a region to engage with your community, um, these brands and these companies are like, whoa, we could do so much more. We would actually know who are really important. Like how do we then go back our top 10% of our customer base and really focus on engaging them? Because they're going to drive both revenue directly and they're going to be the fan advocates that we want out talking about our brand. And so how do we empower them to do that Today's tools just doesn't give them that visibility. So we love these uh, brands that cross lots of channels and are trying to find easier ways to communicate with brands. Um, Again, some of the the, the ticketing example, I think, is fascinating because it happens so often. Ticketing isn't just going to take a Swift concert, right? I have, you know, tickets going to my kids' school activities. I've got tickets going to events. It's to the movies. It's all sorts of reasons where it's a token-gated Right. So kind of in the Web3 world, there are all sorts of token gated activities that I do every day. The way that we manage, distribute and trust those is pretty weak. Honestly, it's, it's not very both convenient nor impactful. So when we, we can turn those digital into NFTs, um, not only is it more convenient, but I think that you start giving others. You mentioned kind of brands and companies the ability to engage with me in different ways, where, again, to me, it's just my phone number. Um, but I've got this digital wallet of all of these signals of things that I like, things that I do. Um, I do think we're going to have to work as a community a lot more around privacy. Like, I don't want my entire life public on chain. Like, that's, that's not me. I don't think anyone really does. Um, so, there is a level of how do, <laughs> have how do we. I have you met it?
1: the millennials and well, the Gen Zs? It's true.
2: I think uh, they, they don't care. It is true. But uh, how do we give them some level of privacy um, to, to be able to say, hey, I want to be able to operate on chain, but there are some things I still want private?
1: Yeah and one thing I will say you know looking at, at your website, looking at the, the deck that you guys sent over is you're not talking about blockchain technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your NFT is kind of snuck into a few things here or there, but you know essentially you're doing what I believe is the correct way to deploy a web3 technology, which is it just becomes invisible. Um, mm-hmm. Web2 is a beautiful UI. Uh, it, it, it does a lot of things. people understand it. You can it's, it's device agnostic in a lot of ways. <clears throat> the database of where that runs to, Consumers don't care. As long as it works, it's right. easy and, and and it it's easy to for to be managed by corporations. Done. Um, and I think that this is this is really again a, a great use case as well as a good good rollout. So I'd love to to understand a little bit more around the side of phone numbers because while mm-hmm. theoretically you can't uh, duplicate those or anything mm-hmm. else, things do happen. So I'd love mm-hmm. to know a little bit around you know the security of of you know kind of what you guys are doing. We don't have to get technical, sure. um, but also that side of like, hey, I I lost my phone. I don't want that number anymore, and and you know migrating your life which is now related to that phone number but, over to something else.
2: Yeah, no, it's a great question. So I think, again, the, the vast majority of times we tend to kind of stick with uh, the same phone number. So let's say, that, you know, right now it's phone number I'm switching phones, right? Sure. And so, again, carriers actually have a signal that you can kind of check and say, hey, is this phone number, this d- this number active on a new device? If yep. so, then we're able to do things like it's actually, again, it's a familiar experience of what sort of things, you know, when you do uh, Experian or any of the... Um, uh, the other services. Hey, have you lived in these addresses or did you have this thing? We could do things, but because you held the wallet, what was in your wallet, right? So you can say, Hey, list of here are five brands. Which of these did you have in your wallet? Hey, here's a list of, you know, 10 concerts. Which one of these did you go to? So it's a really simple, easy step up that we only have to do one time. Right. And then yeah. once and we've been, we haven't implemented this, but even the idea of, uh, so when you, here's one, sorry, one of the really cool use case we haven't touched on yet, but I want to kind of highlight it yeah, is is really powerful. Say that you got an NFT in your wallet and you want to send it to someone. So if you're using our platform, you could say transfer. It creates a one-time unique URL. It opens up the WhatsApp app or SMS. I type your name in and I hit send to Jay. You now get a, a message from me saying, Hey Jay, here's this, you know, I would probably wouldn't call it an NFT, whatever this digital thing is. Um, click on this link and you can claim it. You click on that link I'm on your phone. It pulls up. I can basically claim. So I just transferred an NFT in the blockchain backend using a WhatsApp. Right? So super cool. Crazy, right? So the ability to be able to do this. So now if um, I know that, so say I want to go to a new device. I can say, hey, here are five people. Um, which 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 person have you sent something to? Right. So really easy kind of knowledge based remembering, um, in addition to kind of checking with the, the, the carrier, um, is a really easy way to kind of transfer that and, and moving it on. Right. And so there's a bunch of really simple ways of whether it be, it's called social recovery. So social recovery is, hey, who have you, who have you interacted with in the past? Um, that you can kind yeah. of confirm. You can even do another level up where you have to actually text three of them, and they have to text back. Yep, I know this guy, and um, this is yeah, uh, th- this th- is legit. Th-
1: these are yeah. So I, I, I appreciate kind of jiving into that because a lot of this is relatively standard. The the new concept of of uh, login less login, which is mm-hmm. it's kind of the terminology here, meaning you go to the website, you go to the app, and there is no password. It's going to either validate through your email or through your phone number, and it just. Right. Whoop, Code autofills and, and you log in super quick. Don't have to worry about a password or anything else. It, as long as you have that email, as long as you have that, that, that phone number, this is this has already been kind of worked out. So I love I love that concept yeah. around this. Um, one scaling. of the
2: things one other thing on the phone number that uh, so I have too many conversations sometimes. I don't know if you remember what I said or not. But uh, you know, one of the unique things about a phone number is we can check if it's a Google voice number or carrier issue. Mm. So there are no bots, right? Cause you're not going to, you can't spin up a thousand new carrier issued numbers. Yeah. Right. And so this idea of you actually kind of this a civil attack, there is no simple attack, right? So you're, you're civil resistant. You've got a unique person and proof of humanness to a large degree. It's not perfect. But again, from a, you know, we, we talk about super high convenience with moderate security. Right? So we're not holding crypto. We are not a bank grade wallet. We're not positioning ourselves as that. This is about high, high convenience with moderate security. Um, and so a lot of those things kind of unlock when you leverage that phone number. Not only is unique ID, but it's a real person that is not a bot. Yeah,
1: and, and I think the the most important part about this to, to remember is, and, and I don't, I have no idea your roadmap and, and everything else. This is a phase one. This allows yeah. people to get comfortable with where these things are going. And before you get into, you know, maybe those mic. McDonald's points become more more valuable in the in the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is a monetizable path that's that's down the road, and you want to send it to a bank grade wallet or mm-hmm. Toby. You want to make a bank grade version of your wallet to sure. upgrade and everything else. Those are all possible to do, but most importantly, you can have years and and gazillions of these points already out in the ecosystem, validated, mm-hmm. and verifiable, without having to go back through this process of reissuing them over and over and over. Again. You know, if if yep. if I were to um. You know, just cancel. Like, again, I, I keep using random things, but let's just say I do have a bunch of McDonald's points. Um, if I, you know, just say I don't want to use this email address anymore, or, I just forget about it and go. Um, and then later on, when, it, when I recreate that that app or whatever the case is, and I use a new email address or whatever the case is, it, it's not going to remember. But you're right, mm-hmm. the phone numbers generally stay. And so I think that the concept of being able to upgrade down the road and being, mm-hmm. you know, forward forward looking is is one of the most re- Viable reasons for blockchain to be in this space.
2: It is one of the interesting things that it's again kind of a future state concept that isn't crazy hard to imagine. So, say that I've, I've got a MetaMask wallet or Rainbow or Phantom or it named your traditional kind of bank grade uh, security type of wallet. Um, and I want to say, hey, I want to link this MetaMask wallet to the Redeem platform such that I can use my phone number in other ways. It's actually doing, it's kind of like a token proof, right? So, if you can sign a message um in this wallet and that sends a text message to the device that you want to link you've actually linked the phone number to this and so we actually can say um you know how do you kind of link other web three pieces but to a consumer still let them have this kind of single point of control being their phone number while you have these other kind of web three wallets that live out there so we don't, we're not sure exactly how to, that plays out or hey is that really valuable or useful but we have had that conversation of how do you kind of link other web three wallets um, to the Redeem platform such that when I scan a QR code at an event or I want to um, you know, prove to someone, I, I hold, you know, again, there's, um, oh, I can't, I'm trying to blank on the name where they're essentially uh, protocols to prove that you own tokens without having to kind of show that like, token proof is one. Um, you know, In some ways, we can kind of link the wallets to your phone number um, yeah. and prove that you have those, those things. So if you can do a, a token-gated access with your board ape simply by showing your yeah. phone number at a gate,
1: you know, and, and I think that calling, and, I, and no, no offense to all the MetaMask and, and phantom wallet users, I think they're, they're fabulous and the development teams are great. It's a very far way to call them bank grade. Um, okay. So, so I, w- I would argue and, and quite simply say one of the reasons that I'm most interested in what you're building is that the wallet solutions in, in Web3 are, are not even close. Um, mm-hmm. And so what we would consider to be the secure ones uh, quite simply is just what's here today. But I think that the biggest innovations we're going to see is exactly in this asset class and industry that, you're, that you guys are tackling right now, which is the wallets and actually thinking about the human nature of these things. And so mm-hmm. if these are low value items, it's, and this is exactly what we're saying, we're, we're starting off with the low hanging fruit here. Um, it's okay. It's, everything's fine. We're we're going to be good. And if, if by some chance you lose them, you know, like life is going to go on. But but most importantly, it shouldn't happen. But the concept that you can that you already forward thinking of, like, hey, you know, like I look at fireblocks as being bankrupt. You know, like mm-hmm. multiple levels of verification. It's it's sixty thousand dollars a year right now. So it's well, it's you know, it's like the Indy car and the, the exotic car of the world. But that cost is going to come down. Those innovations are going to come down. So when that's ready people adopt it, you can absolutely they have all the APIs, you can pipe those things right in. But but the concepts that that even there may be a competitor or or another one of somebody that like you that is is doing points, but outside your ecosystem, mm-hmm. that you have the way to pipe them in. If they choose down the road to use as right. your provider, or that you just say we're we're partnering now with with Visa, and mm-hmm. and now you have access to more things, and that's why blockchain is so powerful is it's not an API thing where you got to go and, and like oh well you made them this way we made them this way now right. we got to go make a whole new thing because they can't talk together
2: they always yeah. talk yeah we have a st- we have a standards based open uh, open ecosystem. Right, yep. so it's kind of open source technology, standards based. If you were to try to go back and say force a standards based open source framework on the world, no way. But when you no. have this bo- this bottoms up innovation and you let people be creative, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we have these things called ERC seven twenty one tokens that happen around on any wallet, and you have these open. I mean, it's just so cool when kind of yeah, open communities can kind of innovate and be modular, be composable, um, be dynamic.
1: I absolutely love it. Love it. Toby, amazing technology. And, and I'm so excited for what you guys have built, how you've built it, and, and kind of the the really you've got a massive blue sky on this because um, once you have a wallet and if you can get user adoption, which I, I believe that you understand how to do so, then it becomes just onboarding companies and, and getting a lot of them already have existing NFT. Projects so they've already mm-hmm. played with these things they do, but they don't go anywhere they don't do anything and they have no intrinsic values uh, to be sold on open or anything else but they do have value to go back to that retailer or back to that that brand in, in some way and and, and really uh, derive value where there is none today mm-hmm. um, that being said and hearing about kind of your career overall like how many times you've kind of foreshadowed seeing that here's a list of kind of a new technology that helps a human out, helps a brand out, helps a company out, and then kind of going out a little further skating to where the puck's going um, and, and not kind of just saying here's what I can do today is exactly what you've done so just love to hear for the audience any thoughts you have on just kind of where um, you see everything going or, or where you know people should have the mind space to innovate uh, currently in web 3
2: no I appreciate the the question Jay you know when I kind of again think further out and, and try to talk with folks and say hey guys this is where this is the frame Uh, that you need to be viewing the world, kind of the mindset. It really is, you know, NFTs, not as things that you buy and sell, but digital, again, credential certificates, things that uh, represent companies or people that unlock new capabilities, right? When we have trust that can span companies, um, span individuals, that, again, is irrefutable, the provenance, the the, the attribution inside of there. I mean, again, NFTs, smart contracts, Again, not as things you want to buy and sell, not as collectible. Okay, that's a use case. Sure, those are there. But NFTs that um, can give me an attribute that can be a key, a token, a badge, a, a certificate, a credential. Um, there's so many things I think that we can unlock and, and do. Again, then building that on blockchain. Because again, if you can do it in a silo, go do it in a silo, fine. But when you think about building in the open environment, when other people can build on what you've done and it becomes composable, you end up with brand new again, use cases, interactions, and becomes a very much a bottoms-up type of solution um, that I think Web3 is, is a framework that we can build within. Um, the other is like stop selling the technology. Like when we had Web2 and, and cloud-based, like when it's like, come use my new serverless app. It runs on mobile. And they're like, we didn't talk about all the technology. It's like, what does it do for me? Like, what, what can I do that's easier, better? So focus on really the, the usability, the benefit, um, you know, go solve a hard problem. Going to use some of this new technology, especially that lives in a purely digital construct, whether that's decentralized or Web three or simply Web two digital, um, and you know do something unique and different in an open environment and and be composable and curious.
1: I I love that, and and you know, so many people they focus. I mean, they lead their pitch with the chain, they lead their pitch with the technology, and then by the time you get to what the product is, everyone's eyes have glazed over because we nobody cares, and 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 while we care because we're the geeks that are in the space, the reality is is when you visit a website. No one says is this on you know Amazon S3 or Microsoft right. Azure or or running on a server in your. We're on Ethereum or on yeah, Solana. It, like, they don't yeah, care. It, it just does it work and 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 is it is does it scale? Um. Yeah. And so I, I love the concept. I love that thought. And and so Toby, I really appreciate you coming by today. And I know you have a ton of things that you guys are also working on in addition to this. Um. But for Y uh, this was Toby with Redeem. And uh, really, where's the best way for people to kind of find out more or, or get involved?
2: yeah you know you can check us out on redeem.xyz um, I'm Tobias Rush at Twitter um, I'm actually Tobias Rush on almost all the various platforms um, but yeah Tobias Rush at Twitter um, or at toby.rush at redeem.xyz
1: love it love it alright Y well, Wales. we'll catch you guys next
0: time Y Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show and your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com.